Christmas 2020, and we are about ready to close this year out. It's been a doozy, hasn't it? It's been a doozy. You say 2020, and you just get all kinds of emotions and reactions. But here we are, nonetheless, and have the opportunity to celebrate Christmas together as a family, as a community, and that is a very, very amazing thing. I want to present this question to you to think about, and it's a question that seemingly would have an obvious answer, but go with me for a minute and just kind of see the thought process. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Right? Because Jesus himself, if you look through Scripture, really the only thing we can account for that Jesus says, do this again and again and again, or repeatedly, is to receive the Lord's Supper. Jesus didn't say celebrate Christmas, doesn't say celebrate Easter, but we do nonetheless. There are some that would say, this thing's become totally commercialized, uh, and everything about this season has really become about commercialization, and I'm just not into all of that. And I would certainly agree that's not the reason, and if we get caught up into all of that, we can miss the whole point that this thing is about. You have some who are perhaps a little legalistic that might say, well, I'm not sure why we celebrate Christmas in December. Jesus wasn't even born in December. And most likely, from what we can account in historical uh, records, Jesus wasn't born in December. He was born probably in the fall, somewhere around the Feast of Tabernacles. So you have all these things. I don't know if you've heard these things. I've certainly heard these things. But for me, myself, over the years, I, I continue to come to this place where it's like, it's good to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, we have the lights and the trees, and I think those things are fun and good, as long as our focus remains upon what this is really all about, I think everything else is good because it can draw our attention to something that was incredibly significant that happened many years ago that changed the way that we would live while we're here in this earth. You see, Christmas invites us to look back upon an event that not only the Bible, but many historical documents record, which is the birth of a baby whose name was Jesus. And we can look back upon that event with awe, wonder, and astonishment. Because frankly, the way that this story unfolded is nothing short of astonishing. In fact, it's miraculous. Scripture also compels us not only to look back in astonishment, but to look forward with great anticipation in a day where he will come again. He had his first appearing, and it was astonishing, but his second appearance will be equally, perhaps more astonishing in the way it happens when the skies rip open. <laughs> you see, he's the God who was, he's the God who will be. But I want to remind us today and encourage us today, folks, that he's the God who is as well. You see, God has done something incredible, and a day will come where God will do something incredibly astonishing again. But please hear me. God is doing something remarkable right now. The question is, are we participating in that? 
He's the God who was, who is, and who is to come. What is God up to right now? In a year like we've had, it can beat a lot of people down, and they can lose sight of or possibly even lose hope and belief in the fact that God is really still interested in doing something incredible on the earth right now through his people. And I think that the times require us as believers to really come to another level in our faith and trust and belief in God to rise above what's happening in the world and contend for what God is doing and can do that will supersede all of these limitations that affect us. And so I want to come in our Christmas story today and ask ourselves the question, sure, he's the God who was, and that's what Christmas invites us to do, look back at that event, and he's the God who will be, but he's the God who is. What is he doing right now in your life that is something special and remarkable? Because I assure you, according to scripture, he very much wants to do that. Let's read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife. He did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Wow. You know what I see this year, as I've read through the scriptures again and again on our Christmas story, what's really standing out to me this year is that this birth of our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, our King, come down from his throne at the highest place that a king could be exalted. He stepped down willingly to come and enter the world humbly as a child, as a baby, fully God yet fully man. And it just jumps out at me this year that the Bible presents this event as a gift to us. Did you know John says that God so loved the world that he gave, he gifted his only begotten son. God, Emmanuel, God with us. It's the greatest gift that we could ever receive. Would you agree with me? 
I mean, we're probably all right now thinking in some way about what kind of gifts we're going to give, some we've already purchased. We want to get the right gift or a great gift for people that mean a lot to us. True confession, I'm not a great gift giver. I mean, I'm just not. I don't know. I didn't get that spiritual gift, you know. Gift cards, they work. <laughs> I'll put them in a nice bag and dress it up a little bit. But we certainly want to give a great gift to people who mean a lot to us, to show our love. But this gift, Emmanuel, frankly, it was the greatest gift that the world could ever receive. It was the greatest gift that you or I could ever be presented with. And like any gift, it requires the recipient to receive it in order to appreciate and realize the value that is there to be had in the gift. Does that make sense? We are all presented with that opportunity. What will we do with Jesus? You see, he's the greatest gift that God could give. His son. There's nothing greater that God could give us. He has many blessings planned to shower his children with. But the greatest gift of all he chose to give to us so that we could realize the value of being restored back into relationship with him. I love that when I think about my salvation, Pastor Mike, that my salvation really is kind of a reflection or representation of the extravagant generosity of my God. When I look at this story this year and I think about what's going on in our world, I am drawn intentively to the fact that God is a God of extravagant generosity. <laughs> he has many character attributes, no question about it. But he is also extravagantly generous. And I think that where we're at in our world right now, that God needs his people to reflect this character attribute, come to a higher level in the way we, the church, reflect this character attribute of God, of being extravagantly generous. I don't need to tell you that the world's suffering and pain, challenges and difficulty are on a staggeringly steep incline. There's no forecast or prediction of that to really slow down anytime soon. In fact, I don't want to depress you, but I do want to share with you a little bit of what 2020 has brought us in the worldly environment since. We know that economists tell us this year alone, 22 million jobs have been lost. Close to half, experts say, are being recovered, but 4 million of them will never return again. 100,000 businesses or more and nonprofits have closed their doors forever. Federal surveys show that 40% of Americans are now grappling with at least one mental health or drug-related problem. But young adults have been hit harder than any other age group with 75% struggling. Even more alarming are the statistics from the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, which when asked young adults recently if they've thought about suicide in the last 30 days, one in four said they have contemplated it. 
Cities like Chicago have seen a 23% increase in suicides this year alone. Countries like Japan had more people die last month from suicide than all of COVID deaths in 2020 combined. Suffering is on the incline. Pain and difficulty. But there's an antidote. And there's a solution. And when we look at the greatest gift that we've ever received, we see that it came by way of a gift. A reflection of the extravagant generosity of our God. And I wonder, I ask myself, I think God is compelling me in us as church, saying, will you rise? And will you come to a new level in your extravagant generosity, in the way you reflect this character attribute of myself? And I'm not talking just about writing bigger checks, and frankly, that's one small portion of how we express our generosity. I'm talking about our time, our talent, our treasure, our giftings, and everything. There are tons of children right now who need more time from their parents, more giving of that. There are so many ways for us to be more generous in the way that we Give And I wonder, what is the Lord speaking to you about that? Because if we as God's people can continue to become more and more extravagantly generous in the way we give the things that we have to give away, folks, I wonder if the needs and the demands that are increasing in the pain and suffering might just be met by an incredible antidote and solution of generosity in God's people that reflects the very creator himself. You see, I just want to encourage you that God is not running out of supply. He never has and he never will. But the reality is, in this year, 2020, and as we close this thing out, Practically speaking, no one would blame someone or say that it seems ridiculous if they took an approach where they began to sort of clam up and hoard up and self-preserve. We know that. In fact, many of these statistics that I just went through that are so alarming, I can say for certainty there are people in this room who have been affected by that. You see, these statistics... They're not just statistics that we hear about and that, yeah, that's in our world. They're, they're in our community. They're on your neighborhood street. They're in your families. And then they're in our churches. And we have an opportunity, I believe. Like all great difficult situations, there are great opportunities that exist that are unique if we will recognize them. And we serve a God who never runs out of supply. Let me say it like this. If the demand is increasing, then the supply must also increase to meet the demand. If God's people will continue to rise in extravagant generosity, I wonder just how much the world that's met with this extravagant generosity might experience a different future. And so I see this as an incredible display our Christmas story of God's generosity extravagantly. Do you see that? It's a gift. He gave his son. Let me take you through a few thoughts or points in this story today to reflect on as a gift 
or God's generosity. Number one is that it was his best gift. It was his best gift. I mean, we have to appreciate the fact that the son left the right hand of the father to come down and be born into this earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. I mean, I can't fully comprehend this, but as a father, to some degree, I think I can relate a little bit. The father sent his son away from his side to go and suffer an innocent death for people who didn't deserve it. Wow. It was his best gift. And when we are called to a place of extravagant generosity, I think what God asks us to do is give our best. Give our best. Not look around and say, where are the scraps that I really don't need that aren't going to matter that I can just get away, give away and discard? I'm, I'm not saying that those things don't help. I'm just saying in our heart, I don't think that's really what God is looking for. I think God is looking for us to look like him and reflect him and say, no, I want to give my best away. I, I might have to look at my life and my calendar and my priorities, and I, I may have to rearrange a bunch of things in order to make room for God to do a work of extravagant generosity through me. But here's the point. I trust and believe that God will continue to supply more where there is a place of release from my hand. I, I think that we see from Scripture all throughout that when we trust God and we let go of our best, that we are only met with a response from God where he restores that which we've given away and then increases the supply by which we have to operate with. The Bible says that our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It says that he will give us everything that we need for every good work that we're called to do. Simply put, if God leads you to give it away, he will replenish and restore whatever it is that you give away. But it will require you to live by faith and not by sight. Practically speaking, this makes sense. But from a heavenly perspective, only this makes sense. You see, if we gave everything away, would we, would we believe that God would restore it and then some? If he led us to do that, he has the capacity to continue. I'll just suggest you could never hoard, you could never self-preserve, you could never round up so much that it would ever amount to anything close to the full supply that God wants to pass through your hands over your generation. He's got a mighty river of resources that he wants to run through you. But his people, us, we are... In, to be rivers and not reservoirs. You see, the way that this works in the life of faith is that great things come and great things pass through. And it's just, we are conduits. We're not holding anything up. God says, serve here. Give away your time here. Give more resources here. You're being led and prompted by the Spirit. A moment of faith is required. You trust, and then you see God bless the results. You'll get blessed, 
but others will get blessed when it passes beyond you into other soil. And I found that the soil around the mightiest rivers, did you know, it's actually the richest and most plentiful. It's very fertile where the rivers flow and resources continue to be nourished. Not held up where water can become stagnant like a reservoir, but a river where it just continues to pass through. And the mightier the flow of the stream, the wider and the deeper the river will get. <laughs> the more we trust God and live open-handedly with our resources, the deeper and wider our encounter and relationship and intimacy with our God will go. Because it takes our trust and our faith in Him to a higher level when we have to depend on Him to continue to provide and increase. I believe God wants to do that for His people. You see, it may look like a time of scarcity and clamming up, but I assure you, Scripture records time and again that God has a miraculous, supernatural ability to bring some of the greatest harvest to those who will sow in times of famine and scarcity. Because <laughs> God is not limited in any way by the scarcity or the famine or the environment in the world in his ability to bring rich harvest to his people. Ask Isaac, ask Abraham, ask so many, Jacob, throughout the Bible, times of scarcity and famine, sow good seed, and reap plentiful harvest because God's the one who will bring the increase. The world is hurting, folks. Do you agree with that? They need God's people. The world needs God's people to rise up above these circumstances. If we react just like the rest of the world, where is the difference that people see? Where is the game changer in the world that people need if the church looks just like the rest of the world in these economic conditions and this restricting climate that we see? Hallelujah. My second point about God's gift, small package, priceless value. We have a way of mistaking things, mistaking things sometimes by their packaging, don't we, Greg? I mean, this morning I was getting ready. I was out of cologne. And so I looked around, and you know those little sampler packs that you can get? We have some of those in the drawer. And so I just grabbed one of those and thought, that'll work. And it was in a red little box thing just so, you know, I thought, okay, great. Looks Christmassy. Threw it on. I'm pretty sure I put on perfume. Um <laughs> I, some of you may have already noticed. I don't know. <laughs> Put it on. Hmm, that's different. Yeah. We, uh, we have a way of mistaking things sometimes by their packaging. I know kids and even all of us, if we can travel back a little bit in time and our memories and think about when we were little kids and Christmas, you know, you come out and you see the presents in the tree and all that. We have a tendency to look at the biggest present, the biggest box, whatever stands the highest and is the widest. It's like, that's the best gift right there. Whose gift is that? It's the biggest one. It's mine. And we think before we ever even open it, that's the one that's got the greatest value. But sometimes things with the greatest value actually come in the smallest and most unsuspecting 
package. Like maybe a baby. God as an infant. This was a humble entry. This was a very humble presentation of something that has immeasurable and priceless value. A gift that no other gift could be compared to. You see, Jesus, as a baby, he cried, he nursed, had to have diapers changed. All of these things. Our God went through all of that in humility so that the greatest and most priceless value that a gift could afford could be brought to people that he loved. I think about how he came in a town of Bethlehem. No coincidence at all. Certainly prophecies indicated the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But Bethlehem itself was not a prominent location. House of bread. It was a grain city. Mostly agriculture, farming with the grain. Bread. Interesting. House of bread. That the Savior who would come and actually say, I'm the bread of life, would be born at. Wow. What a message that there is in that. And yet he was in a manger, which actually is a feeding trough. They put food for livestock in this crib that our Savior rested in. Couldn't even get a room in the Motel 6. I mean, this wasn't the Hilton, I'm sure. Couldn't even get a room in Motel 6. And had to go out into the manger and into the barn with the animals. But he was not above it all or any of it. You see, I think that there is going to be moments as we move forward, if we respond to God's call to say, will you be extravagantly generous? Will you live to give? Will you be a river, not a reservoir? I think there will be many moments where we will be challenged with our own thinking to look upon something that we might want to give or pass away to someone and think, man, it's pretty insignificant. That's not really going to make a difference. They, they probably won't think that that's much. And, and that could deter us from releasing what we may think are very insignificant or humble gifts that actually could have immeasurable value to those that we would release them to. You see, I want to encourage you to be quick to release. Quick to release when God speaks and compels and divinely prompts in your time, your talent, your resources, whatever it may be. Be quick and don't think, well, this doesn't really matter much. Over a time of months and years and you look at the impact that's accumulated in the lives of other people as we just live from a place of extravagant generosity, I don't think we could ever actually measure or understand the value that those gifts that God's put in our hands are bringing to those who are receiving them. Because I want to remind you, if God put it in your hand and you're releasing it to bring Him glory, then nothing about that is insignificant. It's actually only significant. God brings seed in the hand of the sower, and if God put the seed in your hand, then it's good seed. 
I don't care if it's five minutes or five weeks, if it's five cents or it's five million dollars. If God put it in your hand and he tells you to release it, then he is going to bring an impact from that. We've got to be quick to obey because Jesus himself even said the woman, the widow who gave away the two mites, he said, this woman gave more than all of these other wealthy people who gave big purses. Well, how is that possible? Monetarily speaking, this amount is more than this amount. He said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. What she gave was a far greater representation of what she had to give away. Therefore, there's more value in what she's just given. Wow. I think if we respond to this, we'll be challenged in a way to give where it is going to cost us something. But on the other side of that release will be a blessing, not only for us, but for so many who God wants to use us to reach. Amen? The last point that I want to make today about our Christmas story, a reflection of God's extravagant generosity, is that generosity is a lifestyle. I've learned this over the years. Character attributes that God has that we want to reflect, we have to approach them not like moments or certain events. We have to approach them like a lifestyle. Things that follow us and stay with us everywhere we go. A character attribute is something that you embody no matter where you are. It means that you respond or react to situations in any environment out of that character attribute. So extravagant generosity is a lifestyle. It's something that is a part of who we are. It become, God works that in us and it becomes a part of who we are. Therefore, in any situation or circumstance or season in our lives, when we respond, there's this motivation or this drive from this place of extravagant generosity in us that influences all of our reactions and responses. It's a, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's not a one-time thing or a one-time event. And the beautiful thing is, is that God's just so good to us that he says, if you'll live like that, then you'll, you'll have great joy. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? If you live extravagantly generous, then you'll have more joy than you can have if you don't. <laughs> Pretty simple concept. In fact, actually, God's not the only one who says that. I, I did some research, and it was really amazing to me that you can find articles, surveys, research, reports, uh, studies for decades, going back decades. Did you know Science Daily says that the people who live generously are actually happier people? Time Magazine did a whole report on this scientifically. Nature.com, Medical News Today, it'll all tell us that people who are generous are happier people than those who aren't. But I don't need the world to tell me that. I'm glad that they're affirming that. But I can tell you that this word right here has been saying that since the beginning of time. And it's been the reflection of God's character all along. He's extravagantly generous. And when we choose to live that way and cultivate that lifestyle, there, there's a joy that is cultivated in our lives that cannot be robbed or taken away by the enemy of scarcity mentality. 
he cannot lure us in because we're not holding on to anything. How can you pull me in if I have no grip on any of it? You can't use it to pull me in. If I'm holding it, then you can try to drag me with it. If I don't have any of it in my hands, then you've got no grip on me, Satan, because scarcity mentality is not a part of my thinking. I serve a God who is an abundant God, who is a provider and will meet all of my needs in abundance for every good work that I'm called to do. And we live with a sense of joy that the wealthiest people in the world who don't have this could never experience. Wow, what an amazing thought. But in order to live like this, you know, we can't subscribe or align with the world's economy. We can't. But heaven has an economy, thankfully, that we can align with. There's an alternative. You see, the world's economy works in rational thought. It says five plus two equals seven. Sure, we get that. But heaven's economy says that five plus two minus five thousand and thousands more actually has a remainder of 12 baskets full of fish and bread. <laughs> I want to live according to that economy, which is far superior. It's eternal, more significant, and it's only by living according to that economy, folks, that we can truly change the game in our world. If we align with everything else that's happening in the world, where will the difference makers be? Who will stand out? God's church now, as much as ever before, needs to stand out. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And I think as we close this out today, that God is saying, it's time for my people to rise needs and the hurt and the pain in the world are increasing and they're out there. But we're not going to just stand back and watch these things happen or be a part of the suffering. We're going to experience joy, abundance, resources, be rivers and not reservoirs, and allow God to use us. We'll make a decision to live extravagantly generous. I, I believe with all of my heart that if we get a hold of this word and we respond to this challenge, this will change your 2021. This will change your pandemic experience. This will change the impact that you are able to make in times of scarcity and famine. Will you sow some seed? I assure you, you have some good seed in your hand right now. What is the Spirit of God speaking to you about what He wants you to do? Amen? As we wrap this up, I just want to ask you to think about, envision a situation. You know someone who has a great need desperate need in fact 
And you are compelled to do everything you can to meet that need. In fact, you sell everything you own, you give up everything that you have so that you can purchase this special gift that can meet this desperate need that this person you love has. And you go to present that gift. And that person looks on that gift and rejects it. Chosen one. We would be heartbroken, heart sick, to say the least. I, I've given everything that I had to give. There's this need that you have that can't be met any other way. And I was willing to pay it all to give you this gift to solve this need that you have. And you rejected it. If you can relate to that in any way, then you can understand how the father feels when someone rejects his son. It was the greatest gift that he had to give. But it has to be received. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I'm not sure that I'm right with God. You know, I, I really think it's time for me to respond to this story around Christmas, to the story around Jesus. He's been drawing me, he's been pulling at me, and I've just been avoiding it or running from it, but I, I think it's time for me to surrender and give in and go all in with Jesus. If that's you today, I assure you this gift is waiting for you to receive. It is an invitation that is available. You cannot earn it. You will never be able to do anything to meet this need that we have for forgiveness and right relationship with God. But he's offering you the greatest gift that he could ever give and saying if you'll receive it, it'll bring value to your life like nothing else possibly can. It's priceless. And I'm willing to give it to you freely if you'll just receive it. So what do I got to do? You got to trust him. You got to trust him. You've got to surrender your will to his will. You've got to turn from the life in this world that you know, and you've got to turn entirely to him. And then he'll come to make his home with you. He'll lead you and guide you, and he'll help you figure this thing out from here. You won't have to do it on your own. Say, Pastor, I want that. I'm ready for that. Or you've walked away from the Lord in your life at any point in time in your past, and you say, I need to get back that place where I'm walking with God I, I can't remember the last time I heard his voice or felt his presence or felt close in prayer and I just miss it I yearn for I need to get back to it wherever you are we serve a God who is a God with open arms who is ready to receive those who want to come to him wherever they are now is your moment now is your time today is your day I'm just going to lead you in this prayer and it's just important that this be the intention of your heart you mean business with God you say, dear Father God, I give my life to you today. I surrender my will to your will. I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was born of a virgin immaculately. And he suffered and died after living a sinless life. On the cross, he suffered and died. He rose from the grave and defeated death so that I could be saved. I put my trust, my hope, and my faith entirely in that today. Jesus, 
Would you send your spirit to live on the inside of me? Make me new. Would you help me to become the person that you've created me to be? Walk out this purpose and this destiny that you have for me so that I can be a game changer in this world for you, God. It's my heart's desire today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you made a decision to serve the Lord today or take a step forward in your relationship with God, we'd love to connect with you and help you in next steps on your journey of faith. Today has been a great day, hasn't it? Merry Christmas to everyone. May God bless you richly and your families during this Christmas season. And may he continue to speak to you and prompt you for how we can reflect his character to be extravagantly generous. We've got a fun Christmas song that we're going to go out of here with today. So let's stand to our feet and let's all sing this together.